All right. Everybody wants to start making their way to their seats. Stephen is going to be teaching out of uh, Luke 18 this morning. He's asked me to uh, read the verse. So if you want to follow along, it's going to be Luke 18, 1 through 8. And this is the parable of the persistent widow. I love that he gave that one to me. Is that the word persistent, Stephen? (laughs) All right. One day, uh, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of the city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to, my, said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. And I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? All right, let me pray over us, and then Stephen will come to Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for the plain ways that that Jesus spoke to the people then for our benefit today. Pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, um, help us be receptive to the message uh, that is in this word and what Stephen will be uh, illuminating and teaching for us today. We pray over him as he speaks, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would, would guide his words. And we thank you most importantly for your word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. You know, that word persistent, it's one that I think probably it's appropriate to talk about, you know, in January, because I think probably some people might have had that on some kinds of New Year's resolutions for this year. Some of you don't want to be more persistent in pursuit of this or something like that. So I looked up in the dictionary, and the dictionary defines the word persistent as, this is what the definition says, persisting. Don't you love it when the dictionary uses the word within the definition? like real real helpful guys thanks especially in spite of opposition obstacles and discouragement so i was thinking about relating persistence and um cherish and i learned in our house that lily is probably our most persistent child uh and we learned that about two weeks ago uh because just one one night we just learned she can climb out of the crib now and uh, that night, so I'm downstairs next morning. I'm making Cherish's coffee, getting the kids' lunches ready for school. And Cherish hollers down the steps, Lily down there? No. What do you mean, no? What do you mean, what do I mean, no? The child's not down here. What do you mean, Cherish, the child's not down here. So, we, so Luke and Lucy are awake. They're getting ready for school. And all four of us are now in mass panic mode, looking for this child. We're like, we, all the doors are locked. If she grabbed the keys and went out for a joy ride, that's one thing. But we're, we're looking, we're like, where is this child? So I go, Cherish goes in, because in, in, uh, Lucy and Lily share a room, and Cherish walks in the girl's room, and right before she turns to walk out, she hears this faint snoring. Lily has climbed the ladder of the bunk bed 
and is asleep in the top bunk. Perfectly sound asleep. Because I'm thinking, I'm like, how many times have we told her to stay off that ladder? How many times have we told her to not play with the ladder? Well, persistence won that morning in the price house. And then I was thinking more, you know, I was thinking persistence and what it really looks like. And I was thinking about one of the players from the NFL who was one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, He just played for the worst team of all time, the Steelers. But... Linebacker James Harrison. Everybody know who James Harrison is? Linebacker from the Steelers. James Harrison, what a player. So good in every single way. He just didn't play for the the promise team of the Ravens. So, but he had, here's the thing though, and this is why I want to elaborate on this. This is what I mean with him being persistent. James Harrison, all pro, should be first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, returned to interception for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. But here's the thing about his story, because before all of that fame, he was cut three times by the Steelers. He was actually a member of the Ravens, and the Ravens cut him. In college, he had no scholarships, no offers. He was a walk-on. This man who, went, who would go on to be defensive player of the year, four-time All-Pro, countless Pro Bowls, he was persistent in following his dreams. And I wondered for a second if we would pursue things with that level of persistence, what the world would look like around us. Because I believe we live in a society now where we're doing something, it doesn't work the first time. We're like, well, already. Guess that's not going to work. It's like, wait a minute, we got to figure out a way to make this happen. And I think sometimes in our society, we give up too quick and we have lost that sense of persistence. And now we're going to look at it with this persistent widow and persistent prayer. Now, as Aaron said, this is a parable. And if you know anything about parables, you should remember and know that Jesus used parables to show people and present a visible example of what he was teaching. And now taking that into consideration, since we're going to break this apart, with what we know about parables is now the time for you to ask yourself, okay, God, What are you trying to show me this morning? What are you trying to show me through this parable? And one thing right out of the gate this morning that I want to communicate is the importance of how many times it is mentioned throughout Scripture that we should be caring for widows. And it also includes orphans. Widows and orphans, they were among the most vulnerable of all God's people. And both Old Testament prophets along with New Testament apostles stressed and even insisted that these people must be properly cared for. 
You see, widows, they had no covering of of a man or the husband's income or stability. And more times than not, widows found themselves in extreme desperate situations. We see in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 22, verses 22 through 24. You must not exploit a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you, and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. So there's our New Testament. Now to, sorry, the Old Testament. Now here's the New Testament. 1 Timothy 5.3, which also be on screen, says, Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. See, Jesus went to great lengths to show and tell that widows and orphans should be cared for. From the very beginning, the church has taken care of its widows who in turn give such valuable service, wisdom, and those things to other members of the congregation. So what that leads us to think is, and some of you might be sitting here and wondering right now, where, where, is, where is he going with this? Here's where I'm going to go. When you help someone who is in need, more times than not, what happens next? That person then turns and helps someone else in need. And the process continues and continues and continues because more times than not, you want to return the favor. When someone does something for you, You want to return that favor. It's a natural human emotion. You want to be able to bless someone in the same way that you were blessed by someone else. You see, the church should support those who have no families and should also help those who are elderly, young, disabled, ill, poverty-stricken, whatever the situation might be with their emotional needs, their spiritual needs, and their physical needs. Because here's the thing, church, so often those who are caring for someone like that, the burdens that they carry with them are so excruciatingly heavy. I think I was just thinking about, you know, from, from my family in the closing years of my grandmother's life here on earth, how many of us all pitched in together to care for her. And I will tell you, the biggest reward that we got out of it was just seeing that smile on her face every day. Knowing that she was loved, because she knew she was loved by us, but what she knew more is that she was loved by her creator. And I think about folks who are caring for those in need, families and the burdens that we're carrying with them. Because here's the thing. A lot of times, those family members keep those burdens hidden because they don't, they don't want to see, appear to be seen as struggling. They don't want their burdens to be someone else's burdens. And what that moral lesson brings to the table this morning is, if you have ever been told that it's not okay to ask for help, you have been told wrong. It is okay to ask for help. We have to learn 
to ask for help. And we have to learn to seek out those who are in need. Because sometimes those people who have such heavy burdens, they're just looking for someone to talk to. They're just looking for a shoulder to lean on, a listening ear, or a word of encouragement. As I said before, oftentimes when we receive help, we want to reciprocate that. I guess if if Cherish and I were to help someone, then that person goes and helps someone, then that person goes and helps someone. That's what the church is supposed to look like, folks. That's what community looks like. That is what doing life together looks like. And also through that process of helping others and turning around and helping others, what that does is it raises awareness. It raises our level of awareness to be able to see better when someone's in need, when someone needs a shoulder to lean on, when someone needs a ride somewhere, when someone just needs to just sit down and have a meal with you. That's what community looks like. That's what the church should look like. And I'm going to tell you, this church does a really great job of that. Some of my favorite conversations that we get to have are when we have our family feast Sundays. Because we were just sitting around the table, we're bringing whatever we brought, and we're doing life together. We talk that same way at youth group on Wednesdays. That we're just here, we're doing life together. We're going through God's word together. We're going through the ups and downs of life together. We're going through life together. Because here's the thing, and this is where all of this begins to take a shift. I believe we've got to stop waiting for people to ask for help and become more aware of when someone needs it. We've got to find them. We've got to meet them where they are and give them the help that they need. Take the initiative and look for ways to serve them because that's what Jesus did. Jesus sought out the people in the corners. Jesus sought out the people who were sitting by themselves, the people who had been outcast from friend circles, pushed out of their families. That's where Jesus was. And that's the people that Jesus went to. Listen again to verses six and seven from our main text in Luke 18 this morning. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give his justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? You see, if godless judges respond to constant pressure, how much more will a great and loving God respond to us? Now, I want to tell you something about persistent prayer. Persistent prayer keeps us in communication with God. Persistent prayer keeps our requests in perspective. Persistent prayer makes us take a really long look and consider what we really need. Finally, and most importantly, persistent prayer helps us to recognize his answer when it comes. 
And that's a big lesson right there, folks, because sometimes we take God's no as him ignoring us. Sometimes we take God's not yet as him not answering us. And it hurts us. If we know that God loves us with an unconditional love, we can believe that he hears us, right? So in our text, we start off by asking ourselves, what God, God, what are you trying to show me today? So first we're shown about the widow and the circumstances and situations that they faced and where in scripture that it proved time and time again where they should be taken care of. Then later in the text, Jesus shows us a judge. And as we clearly saw in the passage, he was by no stretch of the imagination a godly person. Not at all. And again, if you recall, he was labeled an unrighteous judge. So what was Jesus trying to show through this parable? What is he trying to show us today right here and right now through this parable? And I'm convinced that Jesus is showing us that he knows we're going to face stormy waters. He knows that we're going to face hard times and trials where we need him. He sees all of it and he does not want us to give up. He wants us to be persistent in prayer. And here's the thing about persistent prayer. If we want to develop our persistence in prayer, we must also develop our posture of prayer. Being in constant communication with God. I will tell you, some of my favorite activities of the week is to be here on Wednesday mornings and praying with the group of people that gather here on Wednesday mornings. I just want you to know as a church, as a people, you are prayed for every single Wednesday morning. It's a small group of us, but we just, we spend time in sharing what the needs are, what the church needs are, what our family needs are, our church body needs are. Jesus does not want us to give up. He wants us to be persistent. So there's three things about that. The first is Jesus sees us. He sees you. He knows you. And he knows the deep concerns you have in your life. He sees the injustice that is going on in our cities and in our world around us. He sees it. The second, Jesus listens. He shows us that unlike the righteous ju- the unrighteous judge, he does listen. He does want to give justice. He wants us to keep bringing these things to him and to his attention. And I've, I've literally heard someone say to me, man, I just feel like I am taking too much to God. You know what God's saying? Please bring me more. Don't shoulder this yourself. Don't carry that burden. Lay down that burden and bring it to me. So he sees us. He listens to us. The third, he loves us. In the parable, we see Jesus call us his chosen ones. And he wants to help us right now. 
He wants us to know that he is going to act on our behalf. He sees, he listens, he loves. The story of a Danish noblewoman, Baroness Blixen, was made known in the movie Out of Africa. She lived in Kenya as the owner of a large coffee plantation. And there was a tribe known as the Kikuyu tribe that Blixen had grown to love. Some of the Kikuyu lived on a part of the plantation. As a result of financial obstacles that followed World War I, Blixen lost the plantation as well as that part of the plantation where the tribe lived. The new landowner was not concerned with anything but the land. This lack of concern meant that the Kikuyu tribe would be a tribe without a home. Blixen lacked the money to buy back the land that she had lost. She then tried to take her cause to preserve the land of the tribe before government agencies, but did not have any success. The movie Out of Africa, which is a really good movie, then depicts her passion and compassion for the tribe at a reception of the new governor of Kenya. She was shameless in her endeavor as she disregarded protocol, bypassing others in the crowd until at last she was before the governor himself. She fell on her knees, grabbed the governor's hand as she pleaded for the Kikuyu tribe. There were guests who seemed to be totally embarrassed by her actions, and they tried to, to get her up, like, get up, get, what are you doing, get up. And they continued, as she continued to persist that the governor would look into this. As she asked him to give her his word that he would. It was then that the governor's wife stood up and said, you have my word. She succeeded because of persistence. How many of you have ever prayed for something or someone and you grew tired of praying for it or them because you just became convinced that it was never going to happen? The situation's never going to change. That's not, whatever, the, whatever it is. You were convinced and you were done. Now, how many of you have ever prayed for something that you were so sure about it, so positive, and God's answer was no, or not yet? I've said this to the youth before, but you know, from my experience, I've learned that God answers prayers in four ways. No, not yet. No, I love you way too much. Yes, I thought you'd never ask. And yes, and here's some more. I don't know what you're praying for. Whatever that thing is, that person, that situation, that thing. I don't know what you're needing right now. I don't know how you need God to break through in that situation, but I want to tell you by telling you no, if, that, if you have been praying for something and God has given you the answer no, 
God is preparing you for something more. He is preparing to use your situation in a way that you never thought possible. He is preparing to use your situation in ways that you can't see right now. Just like the apostle Paul did, do the work that God has put in front of you right now. Don't let bitterness come rushing in like the tide. Don't be ticked off about not getting the answers that you wanted. Be patient and wait and trust that God's plan is perfect for you. If you take nothing away from this message this morning, remember what I'm about to say. Don't stop praying just because of a lack of results. Keep praying. The man by the name of George Moeller, the great founder of a great Christian orphanage in England in the 1800s, he was a powerful man of prayer. He knew the importance of keeping at prayer even when the answer seemed delayed. When he was young, he began to pray that two of his friends might be saved. He prayed for them for more than 60 years. One of the men trusted in Jesus shortly before his death. That was probably the last service that he had ever preached. The other was saved within a year of his death. What would have happened if he had given up? Whatever that is that you're praying for right now, that person, that situation, whatever it is, think about what would happen if you gave up, if you waved the white flag, if you threw in the towel. Think about our text this morning. What if persistence didn't win? Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. It's a real emotion to grow tired and weary of praying for someone or something. I saw a quote about the persistence of prayer that said, persistence in prayer for someone who we don't like, however much it goes against the grain to begin with, brings about a remarkable change in attitude. So what's Paul telling us in this verse? He's telling us as exactly what it says. Devote yourself to prayer and be alert in prayer at all times. Our persistence in prayer expresses our faith in that we know God is going to answer that prayer. Note what I said. Remember what we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes. If God answers your prayer with a no, he still answered the prayer. Just like when I tell my children, no. They may not like my answer, but I gave them one. They may not really like it at all, but I gave them an answer. God does the same thing. We may not like that no. Here's the crazy thing. Sometimes we may not like that yes. But he answered it. Our faith in God should never fade or diminish if the answers come slowly. Because that delay 
is normally God working it out. When you feel tired of praying, remember that God sees you. He listens. He knows. He loves. And he wants to do something great in your life. He will always answer you, maybe in the ways you might not expect, but in the ways that he knows are best. Persistent prayer is not that he will hear you, but that you will finally hear him. Luke 11, 7 and 8. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. This is from Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. Showing persistence and boldness in prayer will help us better understand the heart of God. Often we hesitate to keep asking God for something that we need or something that we want. But as we come before him time and time and time again, our constant conversation with our loving, caring, compassionate creator, it breaks down barriers and it breaks down the assumptions that we create in our hearts and that we create in our minds. Because some people always will take God's no and they'll build those walls up. They'll build those barriers up and God just wants to break those walls to the ground and remind us that he loves us. As we practice persistence, we have time to sort out what we really want versus what we really need and develop this ability to know the difference between the two because it allows us to eliminate these short-sighted requests that we sometimes come up with. So if you're hearing what I'm saying as we're bringing this to a close, I'm telling you to keep talking to God, to keep being persistent in prayer. Keep listening for his answer. Because when you do all those things, you're gonna have a front row seat to what God's about to do in your life. When you keep talking to God, it's gonna change the way that you pray. It's gonna shift the way that you communicate because it's gonna allow you to hear him when he answers you. So I asked you to ask yourselves at the beginning, God, what are you trying to show me today? What do I need to hear today? Well, now here's the closing challenge. What do we need to do? What are our marching orders? What should we be doing when we walk out these doors today? Pray and never give up. We should go to the Father, talk to him, and keep talking about the things in our life because when we do, that's when we hear his answer. And we should never give up. That persistent widow, she kept asking, Remember the way the text was worded? Please, she's driving me insane. She did not give up. Persistent means to continue firmly or obstinately in a course of action despite opposition. Don't give up. 
I'm going to close and tell you about someone who never gave up. Go ahead and put their picture on screen. I think y'all know who this is. Walt Disney. We all know the iconic brand of Disney. The story of how Walt Disney created the empire. As a young man, you may not know this, he was fired from a local newspaper because his boss told him to his face that he lacked creativity. After a failed animation company, it went under. He was barely able to pay his bills and even ate dog food to survive. With his last few dollars, Walt Disney made his way to Hollywood to try and make it big. Unfortunately, his early time in Hollywood was just as bad. He was told Mickey Mouse would fail. He faced constant rejection and seemed destined to never succeed. But he persisted. He went on to grow the company with amusement parks, feature films, and is known as a cultural icon. Ironically, years later, Walt Disney acquired the Kansas City Star newspaper, the one who said he lacked creativity all those years ago. You want to talk about coming full circle? There it is. My friends, keep praying. Stay persistent. Never give up. He sees. He knows. He listens. He loves. Father God, we thank you so much for this time this morning where we could dig into your word. And Father, I pray that we would just remember to be persistent especially when those prayers that we're constantly praying for are seemingly going unanswered or maybe we feel as if they are unnoticed. Father, I pray that we would develop a sense of a foundation with you that when you answer our prayers that we would hear you even when that answer is not what we want the answer to be. Father, I pray that we would be a faithful people and continue to remember those around us, to seek out those around us, and to remember why we're here, why we do this, because it's all for you. May we be a changed people. May we be a persistent people. We ask this in your name. Amen.